Join me in prayer as we enter our message time here at Elevating Life Church. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love and peace today. And we apologize for being passive and compliant in the faith and acting like victims often. We ask for grace and truth as we learn to think, develop, and act like Jesus to mature in our faith to truly understand what it means to live a life of victory through Your Son. We, re, we yield to Your redemptive power. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Well, hello, hello, hello. Uh, it is really good to see you on this uh, Time Change Sunday. Actually, kind of surprised to see some of you, but it's good to see you. Uh, and we're glad you're with us to worship God. Uh, let's say it through, of course, His grace, truth, through the power. Hear this this morning as we're getting into Easter, through the power of the resurrected Christ. Amen. Uh, I'm Drake, uh, senior pastor here. Uh, at uh, Elevating Life Church, and let me just a quick welcome to our guests, uh, to, we've got a new guest right here, our guests, regular attendees, and of course, our members. Now, I'm going to jump right into it uh, this morning. I have uh, an incredible message I want to share with you. It's not incredible because of anything I do, it's incredible because Jesus has a lesson for us today. And so today, with our message, uh, we are still amid the Sermon on the Mount, uh, presented in the Bible, of course, uh, the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, once again. So we're back in Matthew chapter 5, is where we will start the message today titled, and this is a, it's, it's deep and it's serious, but um, I've been looking forward to this message since I put it on paper back in September. Uh, the title of the message is Religious People Think Like Victims, Spiritual People Think like victors. And that's the title of our message today. And we're going to get deep into uh, what uh, I mean with this identity or this title. Now, today, with this title uh, uncovered, I want to talk to you about a very interesting, I'm going to say funny word. I want to talk to you about this funny word known as deference. Okay, deference is where we're going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to set up some things and we're going to come back around, but uh, I really want you to grab on to this word deference and how to use it to go the second mile to create, now this is important, here's the lesson today, to create a rejection of retaliation that Jesus clearly taught in the passages that we're going to look at today. So I'm going to give you a word but don't forget the bigger picture, the lesson today for you as a Christ follower. Uh, we're, Jesus is teaching. I want to share with you that teaching uh, rejection of retaliation, because I think most of us today uh, will say in our culture, in our families and, and just in, in, in us general. Boy, retaliation is part of who we are. And we got to understand uh, we must learn how to reject that retaliation as we clearly see Jesus not only doing but teaching uh, in the Word of God. So with that, read with me our opening words to gain an understanding of deference and how to reply it to your daily walk with Jesus so we don't think like victims. So Matthew 5, 38 through 42 
is our text today. And it is a lesson. It's in its entirety. And again, that lesson is rejection of, anybody? Retaliation. So let's kind of, with that set up, let's kind of look at this. Jesus, of course, is the preacher, the teacher, if you will. And He says this to disciples. Raise your hand if you're a disciple of Christ. They're just new. We're newish. But uh, you can picture yourself with Jesus uh, standing there in Jerusalem uh, with these, uh, you know, with these uh, disciples, new disciples. And he shares these words. He says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, period. You know what that means, right, Scott? That gives me permission to make a couple of comments here. Now, we've all heard an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If that's you, raise your hand if you've heard this. Yes, yes, very important. Now, similar terms today, we might switch it up a little bit. Maybe you can throw one out at, at me here. But one that comes to mind is a tit for a tat, right? That's a similar sentence. Other ones, anybody else? Got any out there? Quid, squid, pro, what was it? You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Uh, any, any other ones that come to your mind? Get, get our brains thinking here. Oh, don't get mad, get even. That's a good one. Ooh, that really goes well. So my point here, Jesus gets them, we get each other. We understand what he's talking about. Now, I do need to say this about this particular thought, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Um, understand what Jesus is doing here. He's not going to be leaning into, let's say, a judicial system uh, conversation. Okay, You know what I'm talking about. He's actually going to be talking about one-on-one -on -one conversations. Because you know, back in the Old Testament, uh, the Levites and, and or the priests were responsible for the judicial system. And if you read the Old Testament, uh, especially the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you're going to re read this, um, this phrase, if you will, these words, uh, several times. Uh, more times than, than, than three or four times. And we read it all over the Torah. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But he's speaking, or the, the Torah, Moses is setting up a judicial system where the Levites and the priests need to set up a system because they're going to have some, some evil people and have some evil things happen. So that is for a system, not for the individual. And Jesus knows this, so he's now speaking to individuals, new disciples, because they need to understand something, because what has happened from Moses' day to where Jesus is and where we're at, they have, as we looked out last week, they have camouflaged some things, they have exaggerated some things, and they twist the words to, to, to um, uh, make sure it fits their cause, their intent. Jesus knows this. We do that. Jesus knows that. And so we've got to make sure what is happening here. Now we know what's happening because of the next sentence. So you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But, there's the transition word, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Ooh, what? But my mom and my grandmother, I remember, run! Evil! But Jesus just said, do not resist an evil person. Now, we understand this. If you know your Bible, uh, the vision of God is goodness. And we see that goodness in Genesis 1 and 2. 
That's known as the vision of God. If you've uh, ever quoted where there's no vision, the people perish, what vision are we talking about? We're talking about Genesis 1 and 2. The goodness of God. Genesis 1.31, clearly, very good. Everything God created is very good. And Jesus is bringing us back to the garden episode because there's two trees in the garden. One is the tree of life. That's where each and every one of us ought to be eating from. However, there's a second tree, the knowledge of good and connection. Jesus is bringing us all the way back to God's vision. Because we know this, if you've been in the faith, the Christian faith, uh, you've been practicing uh, you know, Jesus' ways for long, you're going to have people that come and they're going to have a principle of God and they're going to do exactly what Eve did. They're going to take what they like. They're going to interpret it for themselves. And what happens, it sounds really good word for word. In fact, they probably have all the stars in Sunday school because they memorized it. However, what happens oftentimes is when we memorize it, once again, going back to last week, what do we do? We want to camouflage it. We want to airbrush it. We want to put it to our likings. And we interpret God's Word for our causes. Evil, evil, evil. Jesus said, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to them the other cheek. Now we understand this. It's been a long time since somebody came up to me and just gave me a good punch or a slap in the face. He might be talking about an analogy. This might be an analogy here. Okay? Because we've all been in conversations with the brother and sister or somebody, and you guys get in a pretty heated discussion. And spiritually speaking, pow! What do we do? No, we retaliate. What Jesus is like, turn the other cheek. Right? Come on. Grow up. And we see this. And so, and if anyone wants to sue you, wants to take something from you, and take your shirt, well, hand over the coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. That's going the second mile. So, you ever been in a conversation? And, uh, you know, you, you, you want to run, you just want to get out of here, this is terrible. But Jesus is like, no, 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 stay here because they're trying to figure out some things. Uh, perhaps they haven't figured out the attitude and the tone and everything else. Stay with them, go the second mile, get through the conversation. Now, I'm going to pause here because we've all been taught the practical side because in character, we know this. You go the second mile, you hire somebody. I'm sure you've told your grandsons and we told everybody, uh, you need to go the second Finish the project. True that. But Jesus is always going to put a spiritual lesson, deep spiritual lesson. And you're going to see how it takes good character, the character of Christ, to go a second mile. So that Jesus' movement can be moved forward and not criticized or abandoned and or people being irresponsible with a bunch of unsafe people running around. Are you with me? This is making sense. Here we go. And if anyone wants to, oh, excuse me, so the, verse 42, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, just quickly, this is our last verse here. John, anybody who's preached before? You, you deliver truth. And somebody always does this, and it's so flattering, I appreciate it. They say, 
man, that was good. Do you mind if I borrow that from you? Like it was mine in the first place. But you kind of see where he's going here because what's going to happen is rather than get into this conflict and this is mine and selfishness and we just, you know, we get too wrapped up in that, we make sure when this conversation is done, there's something there. And you go, please, here you go. Borrow it. Take it. Go tell everybody about this conversation. So we've all heard an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But we're talking about going in the second mile when it comes to that person who might not have it quite right. They've interpreted it for themselves. They're eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we adjust things. We correct things if, if that's your place and or even reprimand if necessary. So we can make adjustments. So then we can get to next week's lesson. And we're not there, but I'll give you a little hint. Next week's lesson. This week is go the second mile. Anybody know what next week's lesson is all about? Love your... Yeah, go the third mile. Love your enemy. So Jesus is speaking of your neighbor. Because it's going to be easy. Well, neighbor, you know, people in the church with me. But Jesus is going to turn us upside down next week and say, no, I'm talking about love everyone. Love your enemy. For God so love the world. So you can see the intensity of this lesson and understand how how important it is that we go the second mile. So let's jump into this to see even deeper to see exactly what this message again is all about. Religious people think like victims. Spiritual people think like victors. Let's go even deeper with this. To take in God's meal today, his message. And like eating your favorite sub sandwich at Subway, Let's eat fresh the Word of God by starting with a question, shall we? After uncovering the Scripture. Here's the question today. It's a quick one. The question is this. Have you ever felt like a victim? Let that sink in. Have you ever felt like a victim? Now, I ask this question to say this. If there ever was a person who understand what it felt like to be a victim, it was Jesus who's with me. However, on three, as loud as you can, say however, one, two, three. However, however what he never did, he never fell into thinking and acting like a victim. In fact, just the opposite. He always thought and acted like a champion and or a victor. Okay? A victor of God and this human existence that we're now redeeming so we can live a good, good life in the, the fallen times that we live. Love Jesus, because he. you see people in sports and all that. I'm not talking about being a, a good champion uh, with some sports competition. Or, you know, or he, he might have got excited about this, but he didn't lose his mind about winning a carpentry competition or something like that. Are you with me? I want to make sure we understand, because there's a lot of Christians who are getting excited about the wrong things. And that's not what 
this is talking about. This is talking about being a champion for life, now and for all eternity. Are you with me? We have to understand this or we'll miss the mark. Jesus never fell into the victim mentality that so many Christians fall into themselves. As we know, Jesus was a divergent influencer. It caused a lot of problems. So Jesus was a divergent influence in His earthly ministry. So what do I mean by that? Everywhere He went, people challenged Him. They pestered Him. He was accused of doing things He was not even capable of doing. Have you ever been accused of something? Not just little things, but big things? we got to understand Jesus. Uh, went through the same things we've gone through. But know this. Know this, know this, Christian. He never took the bait. He never raised His voice in this rage and anger. He refused to retaliate because He believed He could change the world by turning the other cheek and going the second mile. Are you with me? So like you and me, Jesus had to control His anger and outrage and reject the urge or that desire to retaliate. Retaliation, let me say this, is a symptom of a person who has a victim mentality. Again, religious people think like victims. Spiritual people think like victors. Now tell me this, did God come to earth as a human, Jesus, so people in the movement of Christ, Christianity, uh, would retaliate and think like victims? No, He did not. He came so we would think like Him and reject retaliation. Therefore, going back to the Sermon on the Mountain, God's love and the Beatitudes we have to get in our makeup so that we can apply lessons like go the second mile. If you don't know the Beatitudes, you don't have God's love properly understood, you're just wasting your time. You're just going to be a religious person for the rest of your life. And so we've got to get to Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain so that then we are thinking properly rooted in God's love. And by the way, rooted in God's love, if you're here a couple of weeks ago, is this. It's, it's not this, first of all. I love you because I need you. That's not God's love. God's love is this. I need you because I love you. Now, if you're a person that believes I love you because I need you, you're a religious person. You get out of that and turn things around and start approaching uh, people that are against you, that cause you've got to get into the mentality of Christ and God's love and get those be attitudes in place so that then we get these very difficult lessons in place so that then we are truly being the, the face or the image of God that we've been created in. Does that make sense? Now, please, please, please understand. We are all victims of the fall. No one is favored. No one. And I say this because there's many people that come to to me and and the pastors, and we get it. We all have pains and hurt, but we all are, we we can normalize things. We all live in the fall. You're not favored. Nobody is. On either side of that coin, the goodness of God or, you know, the evils of this world. 
We all live in the fall, and we have to get that because all humans are victims. So all people, and let me say this, and you can write this one down, must make a hard decision to redeem uh, their thoughts, character, and actions that are forged in the fall. So you have a choice. You can choose death or life. Now, you have an option. You have free choice and free will, folks. You have an option for redeeming your life. But let me ask this question. When thinking of the significant faith systems of our world, Judaism, uh, Islam, and we'll throw another one out there, Buddhism, and you think of their leaders, Abraham, Muhammad, uh, and Buddha, and any other spiritual uh, guru, let me throw that, what do, you, what, do you, what do they all have in common? Say it again, John. They're dead. Well done. Jesus is the only spiritual figure in history, that, in history that gives proof of life now and after death. Welcome to eternity. Uh, teenagers, listen to me here because there's a lot of systems after your attention. But please just don't fall into something and just because you like it. Because that's exactly what Eve did. She liked the fruit and she took it. Thank you, Eve, right? Be careful. Make sure you know exactly where you're going in that direction. And just don't assume that this is good because I like it. Well, it's about freedom. I don't have to worry about responsibility. You know? Or we need more responsibility, but no freedom. And you'll end up in one of those faith systems. And I promise you, um, that road will end you when it comes to eternity on a dead, dead end road. So again, Jesus is the only figure in history that gives proof of now and after death. This is why everyone must choose Jesus as the only way to God's reality. Now I share that because I'm not talking about Jesus in a religious movement. If you've been at our church, you know what I mean. If you just read the title, you know what I mean. So we got to get to God's reality of that spiritual reality that brings it all together. And we have integrity in life in this time and also in the next. Now, the only option, again, to recover from the devastating effects of the fall of where we live now and to reverse its evils is through the one, as they said in the Super Bowl commercial, the one who gets us, Jesus. He's the only one. John 14, 6, just a quick reminder. Jesus answered and He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Now you can gamble with that all you want. 10,000 gambles. Somebody said something earlier. Go ahead. But please, with all of the love we have here, please, please, make sure you start thinking about it. You start putting things in your heart properly. And I promise you, if you go after it, you seek it, you go after it, I promise you're going to find the truth. So, so important. So the lesson Jesus is teaching His disciples here with the exact words used in, in our passage, again, the lesson is rejection of retaliation now. The passage teaches God's children to control the urge of their retaliation. Now let me pause here because um, we're talking about a one-on-one conversation. Think about how you retaliate with the tone of your words. 
We've got to learn how to put grace behind our words. Amen? We're so mean sometimes. I like this one, right? The men's group, I know you deal with this all the time. Well, I'm telling the truth. And you can tell the truth black and white, right? And Chris is back there. <laughs> I'm telling the truth. Yeah, but where's the love? <laughs> oh, no, men, we don't love. <clears throat> we'll, we'll leave that to the wives. <laughs> no, grace and truth must come together because Jesus dwelt among us and He was full of grace and truth. <laughs> We've got to figure that out. Because let me say this, if there is no grace, you can quote every stinking word in the Bible. But if there is no grace, that's a half a truth, and a half a truth is a lie. Who's with me? I say that with that tone, with all the love I can muster up. we got to understand this. Because what happens is grace splits over here, and they got truth over here. We have the, the divorce from God. There's two, two weeks ago message, and it's a mess. So, now, the problem today is apparent. God's people, just like in Jesus' ministry, think and act like victims of the fall rather than victors in the redeeming times that we live through Jesus. So that's a problem. So as I've already shared, retaliation is a symptom of victim mentaliation. What did I just say? What did I say? Did I just say that, John? It's a new word, I guess. It's Hebrew, yeah. I came up with I came up with it. I was making coffee this morning because I was brewing Hebrew. Okay, that was terrible. Boo. <laughs> okay, as I have already shared, retaliation is a symptom of victim mentality. Uh, uh, so now let me say this: with these people. Uh, with the victim mentality, which this retaliation, these people are typically those who are defensive and direct in nature, right? We know these direct people. Uh, it's not hard to find somebody that doesn't have any love, but they get a lot done. Uh, but I don't want to talk about that today because that's too easy to spot. I want to share some things about victim mentality on the other side of this conversation because, again, it's easy to say, well, that person's pretty aggressive. Now, I want to talk about the passive-aggressive people among us. So rather than being defensive um, in the sense of the other side, rather than being defensive, uh, these victims or these people are always offended. Let me ask you a question. You know somebody in church who is always offended? Victim mentality. Which is they are oppressed Christians. And it is a passive-aggressive behavior with so many Christians today. So again, do you know somebody, someone who consistently lives in the state of being offended? They just live from one, one offense to the next. And when people live this way, it's a form of retaliation that reflects a person. And it reflects that they are stuck in this disorder in the sense of thinking like Christ. And they're walking around with a victim mentality and operating that way. So some symptoms, I thought this would be fun today quickly. Some symptoms, I wanted to share some symptoms to be aware of when it comes uh, to people who are passive-aggressive with this, this challenge. Okay, I, I like to do it in a David Letterman style this morning. Let's, let's look at the top ten, shall we? Y'all remember, am I getting too, too many decades ago with David Letterman? Remember the top ten? Raise your hand. 
Okay, good. All right. I, I'm in good company. Because I was so I'm like, I don't know some of these. I know, do, you, do you remember David Leonard? No. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Here's the top 10 symptoms. Number one, they habitually blame others for the way life is and is turning out. Period. Number nine. Here you go. Now think of yourself, please. Don't be thinking of everybody else, even though I do think of a couple. But number nine, they often think life is against them. Wait for me, Heather, if you will. Uh, they often think life is against them. You know somebody who's always walking around, everybody's against me. Nobody likes me. Right? Number eight, they have trouble coping with life's problems and feel powerless against them. Those issues and challenges that come up. Uh, number Now this is a way of life for them. Please understand that. Number seven, they have a pessimistic and unhealthy attitude when feeling stuck in life. That is a sign. Next, six. They feel attacked when someone tries to offer helpful feedback. I need to say here, these are the people, you give somebody feedback as a pastor, as a supervisor, and the first thing this person will do with this, with this is, um, let's say I'm calling somebody into my office. First thing they say, guess what they say? What did I do wrong? Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Right? That's the world. The world has, has uh, conditioned us to do this. But, uh, and these are the people, when they're mockers, what happens is um, you bring them feedback and like, then they get offended. And so then they take it personal. They get through the feedback, but then they go out to McDonald's, Arby's, or one of their favorite watering tank holes, and they start just whining how this supervisor or that pastor or whatever, and they're just, they're just mean, and they're so pervasive. By the way, uh, the secular counseling uh, process believes in pervasive. Oh, get it out. No, 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 no. That is so dangerous. Uh, if you've been told that and you believe that, you better make sure uh, you understand what that truly means because whatever you focus on magnifies. And if all I'm in the habit of being a victim mentality and I'm talking more and more and more and I'm pervasive with it, what's going to happen? You're going to be more victimized. You ever uh, know somebody, and in, in, I've been in ministry 40 years, my goodness, they were so healthy, and all of a sudden they got into a victim mentality, and they never got out of this, this situation here. By the time they're 40, 50, 60 years old, the most bitter and most nasty Christian, uh, and th these are the ones that come up, I've been in church for 40 years, I have the right. No, you have a victim mentality because you've taken things permanent, uh, you make things permanent, when you see the, the leader or whatever, uh, they become a trigger. I can't even look at that person because when I do, you get what I'm, what I'm talking about because this is a huge challenge in our day and age. And Christians, we ought not to do this. They feel attacked when someone tries to offer helpful feedback and they're in trouble or we're out to get them everything else we just talked about. Number five. Ooh, they constantly feel bad about themselves, always, to give themselves relief or pleasure. Yeah. It's crazy. Kind of like cutting yourself, but it's a little different spiritually speaking. Say uh, Four. They constantly use guilt, shame, and condemning language to degrade others to make them feel better about themselves. You might be thinking of the Thanksgiving dinner table here, but please, 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 this is a victim mentality. It's a symptom. 
Right? You ever talk to somebody and then all of a sudden they're using guilt language. Not conviction, but guilt. Uh, and they condemn so they can make themselves look better. Number three, other people with a victim mentality are attracted to them. Misery loves company philosophy. This happens in the religious circles all the time. They're not resolving anything. They're just coming and criticizing. They're not resolving anything. Nothing's growing in Christ. And they just talk, 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 pray, 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 sing, 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 or whatever. And nothing's happening. Don't forget, it's belief plus action equals faith. Not belief in prayer and more prayer and more prayer. You've got to put Jesus' actions towards it. Belief plus action equals your faith. Number two, we'll get through this. In conversation, we continually one-up the other person's problems, issues, and life's challenges. This happens many times. Somebody come in, you're trying to share your heart, you got a problem. Oh, you think you have a problem. Look at my fish. You have direction of the conversation, but they come in, they bully themselves in, and then all of a sudden it's about their problems. They one-up. These are all symptoms. Oh, victim mentality. And the last one, the big one, top ten, here we go. This is a big one. In conversation, excuse me, they walk around saying or expressing in word and deed that no one loves me but God, and that's all I need. By the way, I lost my tail. Nobody loves me. The Eeyore syndrome. Folks, let me wrap it up here. The relationship with God is not just me and God. Jesus said, or excuse me, God said in Genesis 1, it is not good for man to be alone. That is a vertical relationship, but I know too many Christians that walk around as a victim and it's just me and God, and I don't need anybody else. That is not the plan of God. The plan of God, as I shared several weeks ago, there's also a horizontal relationship with God. Every human being has been created in the image of God. And we are to find those safe people in the Christian faith. And part of that conversation with God is coming to churches, connecting with people that are mature, and they get to speak for God. You get to receive it, and that relationship comes together. If you think it's just you and God, you're missing the mark. You're out of the will of God. You need people when challenges come. When problems come. That's what it's all about. That is a true relationship with God. And so there you have it. I'm not going to get through the message. Of, that was just the, the opening. But I, I think you get the point. We all are victims. However, we all need to kind of understand what those symptoms are. It's like a cold, right? We want to know what that is so that then we can resolve it. And of course, the, the resolve is this. To turn the other cheek and to go the second mile, and then to truly, truly lean into it, then you are intentionally rejecting that retaliation that comes out from that urge. And we're becoming more like Jesus, incrementally and effectively, where we come together in the name of Jesus. Amen? There you have it, the message. Religious people think like victims. Spiritual people think like victors.